This morning, I want to talk about promoting order. The necessity, the good of having order in the church. Order in our lives. Order in your work. I want to talk about this as a first part of a series uh, where we talk about promoting order. And uh, we learn that our God is a God of order. I don't know if you've thought about that. But he truly is a God of order. We read in 1 Corinthians, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. In other words, where there is order, there is peace. But all things should be done decently and in order. So we want to talk about that this morning, because that's what's being presented to the church, is how to put together a church in such a way that there is order. There is an understanding of, of authority, understanding of responsibility, accountability, and so forth. Um, if we wonder about God being the God of order, we have only to look at creation and to see the characteristics of God's wonderful attributes in creation. He first brought forth order out of the void and darkness by calling forth the light. And each day thereafter, he created what would be helpful, what would be necessary to provide for us, his image bearers. From day one to day six, it was about God putting in order what would be necessary in creation for this to be a place we could dwell and he could have a forever family. God had an orderly plan and he created everything according to that plan. And we see throughout the Bible that God was bringing order out of chaos. Creation, but also leading Israel out of Egypt and the New Testament church out of paganism. Jesus taught his disciples how to lead, how to lead orderly. And that became very obvious after Pentecost, when the church was born and then it grew so rapidly. At that point, the disciples realized that they couldn't keep up with the growing demands of the growing numbers of new converts that were being added to the church. So they wisely appointed and empowered deacons to help them serve the needs of the people. Later they added Barnabas. They also added Paul of Sarsus to be apostles to the Gentiles. And what a great move that was. He planted, Paul planted many strategic churches throughout the Roman Empire. And when he left these fledgling churches behind, he appointed elders to lead the church, to guide the church into the future. We have an example of Paul's goals for the church. When he writes to Titus, Titus 1.5, 
This is what he writes to Titus. This is why I left you, Titus, in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order. The church that remains, you're to put into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. You see, Titus was given one primary goal. It was to bring order in the churches by appointing elders. That was necessary. And we realize the same is here as well. These elders would delegate responsibilities, would would designate uh, authority to others like deacons and establish even membership in the local church. The sense of identity, this official sense that I belong to this church. But to see the need for these changes that are going uh, to take place here at the church, I want to take you back in time. Not to the New Testament, but to the Old Testament. I would like to take you back to the days of Moses. When Moses led Israel out of Egypt, his leadership was immediately questioned. I have the greatest admiration and respect for Moses. Truly one of the greatest men who ever lived. Now the people grumbled. They grumbled when they were trapped between the Red Sea and the chariots of Pharaoh. And we know what happened. God provided a way. But that was just the beginning of troubles Moses would find in the camp. Once out of Egypt, the people murmured again. They murmured against Moses when he led them to the bitter waters of Marah. And then he led them again to Rephidim, where there was no drinking water. A disgruntled group in the camp wanted to return to Egypt rather than follow his leadership. Some insisted on overthrowing his leadership, while others even threatened to kill him. Welcome to the realm and the honor of being a leader. Moses, on top of that kind of murmur and stuff going on, he found himself the judge and the jury for all the complaints and disputes between the people. And he did that from morning till night. Moses didn't even have the benefit of having his wife and his two sons to be with him through this nightmare. They had been left behind with uh, Moses' father-in-law, whose name is Jethro. So Moses was a very lonely man, even though he was leading hundreds of thousands of complaining people. Um, It was a formula for leadership burnout. Then Jethro came. Jethro came bringing... Moses' wife and two sons. But Moses was so busy, as we mentioned, judging from morning till night. He had little time for his family. So Jethro 
saw his daughter and his two grandsons caught up in all the dust and dysfunction of Israel. So he gave his son-in-law advice. I got to say, I respect Moses because I'm not sure too many son-in-laws want to listen to their father-in-law give them advice. But he did. Here's what he said. Moses, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it, and the key word is alone. So we are going to learn a few things here from just these initial comments by Jethro. Jethro saw that lone or individual leadership wasn't promoting the good of all the people. Lone leaders are lonely. Lone leaders can wear themselves out by doing more than they should be doing. They may have the idea, persuade themselves that they're necessary, but what we realize for Moses is that it wasn't good. It wasn't good for him, and as we'll see, it's also not good for the people. When too much authority and responsibility rests on one man, or even a few good men, there can be and usually is burnout. Especially when there is no adequate and effective organizational plan. I've heard people say, well, the church is not a business. And I say, amen. But that doesn't mean that we don't cherish and work hard on administration and organization. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. He will guide us. But I find it so fascinating how much time Moses, how much time our Lord Jesus, how much time the apostles, Apostle Paul, spent on making a plan and working the plan, on sending men back to plant churches with elders and so forth. So what I'm suggesting is, yes, we're not a business because we're not in it for profit. But we are in it for the business of Christ. And that will require the church to have order. I think most would agree with that. He needed an organizational plan. Because his style of leadership was disastrous for him his family, and even the people or the nation. Even with good people around conscientious good leaders, burnout exists especially for pastors, elders, and uh, diligent lay workers in the church. That's my experience. As a matter of fact, I am one of those statistics. It is estimated that 1,500, 1,500 people leave pastoral ministry 
each month. Each month. Due to burnout, conflict, or moral failure. 1500 a month. Also, a study discovered that one-third of pastors say they felt burnout within just five years of beginning a ministry. Almost half of pastors and their wives say they have experienced depression or burnout to the extent that they needed to take a leave of absence from ministry. And I, as I said, was one of those statistics. Once I got so depressed in planting a new church that at night when I went to bed I would lay down so discouraged that it's as if I had a hundred pound weight on my chest. So I went and consulted medical physician. And I never got more wise wisdom than this. You know what he said after all the tests he did? He said, Don, if you can't find another way to lead your church, then I suggest you get out. I was shocked. I wondered, well, you know I'm called to the Lord. <laughs> you know, this is what I was, I've studied for, prepared for. He said, I know that, but something's wrong. Didn't want to hear that. But I did make some changes in my lifestyle and leadership that did help. But a few years later, I was pastoring another larger, more demanding church. When one day, I experienced what the doctors called a TIA, transient ischemic attack. In layman's terms, a minor stroke. How did I know that? I was uh, reading, and uh, I use a marking pen for my reading, and I go like this. And I go, what? what's happening in my arm? I couldn't make a straight line. So being such a diligent, wise pastor, I thought what I probably need to do is go jog. (laughs) You know, run it off. Wrong. If any of you ever have that, do not do what I did. So I put on my jogging shoes and I started jogging throughout my neighborhood. So I would go like this. And I would look at that leg, just kind of like, what's wrong with me? And I remember turning the corner to my house, and my family was outside, and they were watching me. They said, Dad, what are you doing jogging like that? Well, I'm running it off. They said, no. We have an appointment for you at the doctor. Really? Yes. Went to the doctor. 
I felt great. He said, uh, sit down on the bench. He said, uh, hang your legs over. And he has this little rubber hammer. I always wonder, what is that thing for? I don't get it. And so what he did is he tapped my knee. And guess what happened? Whoop! Like, and it went up and it came back uncontrolled and he hit the table. He said, let me try that again. Bang! He said, I want you to go home, get your, some clothes, and go immediately to Mission Hospital. He said, matter of fact, don't even go home. Go directly. I will call the emergency. I didn't know I had that problem. They did this massive tests on me. And in three days, it disappeared. But you know what my doctor said? Christian doctor? I like the other doctor. He goes, you know what, Pastor Don? God was tapping you on the shoulder. You better listen. You need to figure out how to do ministry. I took a month sabbatical. The church gave me that. I slept. I rested. I had exercise. I had to change radically my diet. And then I came back. And I haven't had that problem since then. (laughs) Again, what I'm talking about is real. So the things we're talking about here are things that were happening to Moses. Good men, great men, great leader. But things needed to change. Because Moses was on the brink of burnout and the church needed order. Now, here's the other side to what is being said by Jethro to his son-in-law. Moses, not only is it not working for you, wearing yourself out, but I'm going to tell you, if you continue this, you're also going to wear the people out. You wear them out in a number of ways. One, they'll have to stand in line too long. You can't take care of all their problems. And where there is a need for organization in order, the people will grumble. Yes? Now, these were important things for Moses to hear. You see, when diligent, faithful people in the church don't have a clear idea of their responsibilities and duties and don't get encouragement, they become frustrated. When the leadership hasn't cast a compelling biblical vision for the church that is worthwhile and they haven't had time by leadership to train them, to mentor them, to discipleship, to disciple them, the people eventually 
burn out or give up. Some will even leave the church, leave the camp, because of the lack of leadership and organization. Jethro knew that. He advised Moses to think about something that Jesus taught his disciples, is make disciples. Multiply leaders, not multiply your effort. Don't multiply the hours you spend. Think of discipling, training other people to do the work of ministry. If you get that in your mind, and if that's your passion for your church, or your business even, there will be burnout. There will be grumbling. So now comes the direct advice from Moses. The other is an observation. Now it comes down to, now, here's what you do. Now obey my voice. I'm your father-in-law. I want you to listen. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God and you shall warn them about the statutes or the teachings and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. That is his advice. Representative leadership promotes the good of all the people. That's in essence what Jethro is saying. Leadership is to represent all, all the people before God. And wisdom is needed how best to serve the people. That's why the apostles appointed deacons to help them serve the needs of the emerging church so that they could spend time doing what they were called to do, which was to preach the word of God in prayer. And when that is set aside because of poor organization, something's wrong. And Jethro just put his finger right on it. You see, some pastors pride themselves that they're busy. But busy people are not necessarily effective people. Good leaders lead through others. Work through others. Leadership needs to be involved in prayer. Prayer in homes hospitals, and graveyards. That's where we are to be with our people. That's why it's so essential to add elders and deacons to share in this wonderful ministry. The pastor should not be the only one who goes to the graveyard. He's not the only one who needs to be taking the Lord's Supper to shut-ins. It may feed his ego, but if you really want to be on task, you'll have other people going with you. Share the joy of praying for the sick. 
Share the delight in ministering to people in the church. Enjoy your people. I could tell you this, that some of the greatest things that occurred in my ministry happened when I would go minister to people. There were nights that we would bring all the elders together and I would have made preparation for them. I'd send them out in groups of twos or threes and we had address phone numbers to people in the church and they'd been contacted ahead of time that someone was coming. And then I said, here's your communion set. Each of us, go. Meet back here by nine o'clock and then we'll talk about it. You know what? The guys were a little hesitant at first. We talked about what to do, you know, that kind of thing. And then they came back so excited and they said, you know, Pastor Don, that was one of the greatest things I've done as an elder because you know what I figured out? I went to minister to them and guess what? They blessed me. You see, you're a blessing. That's why leadership has to be thinking about you. We need to be thinking about how can we be there when you need us. But not alone. Not to look like you're the Lone Ranger. Not to look like you're Moses, the only guy who can be there. Hmm. Leadership is to represent the needs of all the people before the Lord in prayer. Including the shut-ins and people that need us in the community. The church should be organized so that it, as many different groups in the church are represented by the leadership and as many groups from across the church have some representation in the leadership. That is why it's important to appoint qualified women to be deacons. They and other godly women should be consulting, advising, giving their input to the elders when they are about ready to make major decisions that will affect them and their families. And this is another reason why we need to have church membership. In this way, both men and women can be informed and they're able to have a voice in affirming major decisions like the approval of additional elders, affirming budgets, affirming purchases, like, say, property, for disciplinary action, and even the call of pastors. You matter. And should matter. Leadership is also to make known God's way for the people to walk. Jethro say, see, you have to teach your people what it is God wants them to do. Show them from the word how they're to walk in this world. What the walk of a Christian looks like. It is so essential to have an adequate and appropriate view of God if we are to live as God desires from us. And leadership is responsible to regularly evaluate and approve an intentional biblical curriculum 
for all ages in the church. So the people know what it means to walk in the ways of the Lord. But here's the key to leadership. And then I'll close. Pick it up next week. Here's the key to leadership. Whatever place you have in the church of serving as a leader. You must lead by example. We can't ask others to do what we do not do. Leaders are to model God's grace. Grace to the people by not lording their authority over the people, but by loving and tenderly caring for them. What greater model do we have than the Lord Jesus? The greatest leader who ever lived. Notice the time, the effort, the great sermons, these great stories that we have, they're historically true, about him with people. They loved him. But he always brought the disciples with him. He did not do this stuff alone. Sure, he was the most qualified that's ever lived. But he kept bringing guys like Peter into the mix. Peter was trying to figure out the difference between the right foot and the left foot. And usually one of those feet was on his mouth. But the Lord didn't give up because... What is he doing? He's training leaders to change the world. I can't wait, and I will wait, to see how the Lord works through this church in the next year or two. I don't think it could ever be the same. And I'm praying for good. And you're a part of that. We need to promote the good of the people by promoting order. Put order into the church. So that if you have a problem, you don't understand something, you know exactly who to go to. That doesn't mean emailing somebody else in the church. It means going to an elder or a deacon and say, hey, can you explain this out to me? We have got to stop this sort of sense of not going to the proper people to find out what you need to know. We've added and going to add even more elders. So it's more representative of you than has probably ever been this way. Because it needs to. And the elders recognize that. That says a lot. There are no lone rangers in this rodeo. The elders have no desire to become what I call glory hogs. They honestly want to do what will glorify Christ and equip and edify the church. Give them a chance. Pray for them. We need to promote not only order, but the common good.
for each other. God intended for us to find our place in a local church where you can serve, where you can worship, and find some wonderful friends. I hope that you are grateful. You have something special? And we need to give thanks to the Lord for what he has done, but I'm telling you now, we need to look to the future. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the courage and the wisdom, believing and trusting your word, mandated and described in your word. Lord, we can make all kinds of plans, but unless you're in it and you ordain our, our steps, we will be in trouble. We are not going to concede. We are not going to give up. We're going to press on, believing that you will provide exactly what's needed. Bless the day ahead of us. In Jesus' name, amen.